I'm Eric Harris. And I'm Kim Fleck. And this is Healing is in Your Hands. The purpose of this podcast is to share our perspective on holistic healing and how you can take back your healing power. Eric, with all honesty, this episode is going to be a little bit difficult having just lost my beautiful Siamese snowshoe rescue cat, Yum Yum, to kidney disease um, last week. And I also lost my 18-year-old rescue cat, Basil, um, in April. So I'm excited for our guests for sure, but, um, you know, a little nervous about about that too. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be actually some healing for us on this episode um, because we actually lost our dog Shades four months ago to the day. To the day. Wow. Yeah. Um, So you're going to learn more about our guests after a brief word from our sponsor. The Wu Healing Center is located in West Hartford, Connecticut in Maynard, Mass. The mission of the Wu Healing Center is to educate, inspire, and empower people to take control of their own health and well-being. They provide world-class traditional Chinese medicine, Tai Chi, and Qigong practitioners focused on empowering Qi, enhancing health, and healing the mind, body, and spirit. They provide long-distance Taoist TCM educational classes to teach families how to heal each other and spread Taoist Chinese medicine to the world. To learn more about Dr. Ming Wu and his health and healing philosophy, you can go to wuhealing.com. And we encourage you to visit the Wu Healing Center page on Facebook and click on Membership to learn about their closed group for live classes, educational materials, and more. On today's episode, we have an amazing guest who has 30 plus years of working with various animals. She is a pastoral counselor and an animal intuitive communication consultant. Her specialty is with working alongside animals and owners to build a harmonious space for all. She also provides intuitive dog training lessons and wellness Reiki services for people and their animal companions. We'd like to welcome Roz Brault to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome, Ross. In addition to that fabulous bio, I believe you are also a certified hypnotherapist and a fine arts photographer specializing in animals. Yes. Um, I started out as a, well, I'll, I'm going to back up. <laughs> I'll start at, um, I'll go to a personal moment because um, all good, true healers have their own journey to traverse for them to become as powerful as they are. So I had this uh, challenging childhood where I entered into the foster care system at age 13. And the point in my life where a, a like a pin went in the board was 11. And I said, anything that's in me that's like this one person has to go away. And I survived. And we was able to get to adulthood. And then in my late 20s, the memory started to come back, the, you know, amnesia. Mm -hmm. And and I never had a family pet. I mean, we had animals around us, but no one allowed the animals to be a part of the household. So that was a whole brand new thing for me as an adult when I was 30 years old and entering into my start of recovering from post-traumatic stress disorder, I was allowed to adopt my first cat, Yoda. And 
I, I had wanted a dog, but my landlady said, nope, the neighbor has a dog, you can have a cat. And so Yoda and I had an incredible relationship and that's where I woke up to animal communications, right? Even before he was born, we were talking. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty powerful. Yeah, um, I, I always like to share this story with people because I, how many people get to like visualize that they can have a pet mm -hmm. and then they say to themselves, you know, what day do I want my pet to be born on? What do I want my pet to look like? And so I had picked March 12th to be Yoda's birthday. I wanted him to be born at 9.30 p.m. in the evening because there was a significant person in my life that I wanted that closeness. I wanted him to be Pisces. And the next day, I was at Middlesex Community College starting on, I started college in my 30s, early 30s, and my um, classmate walked to me and says, would you like a kitten? And, you know, I just got permission for a cat, and now someone's offering me a kitten. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she says, well, well, the kittens aren't born yet. I said, oh, really? Because it was like the end of February. I says, when are they due? Well, sometime in the middle of March. I says, oh, cool. So, of course, you know, I was, I was waking up to my first talent, which was being an artist, because all through high school, I was, artistic abilities came out through alternative routes, such as embroidery and cooking. But if you asked me if I was an artist, I would say absolutely not. And then as I started to wake up to my authentic path, I realized that I had this this blockage and why the, and I started to remember why the blockage was there and then it was like finding the breadcrumbs back to who I'm supposed to be and I'm 62 years old now and I feel like I've just arrived in those gifts so going back to Yoda so I can finish that story for you Yoda um, well how he got his name is because he told me that's what his name was supposed to be about a week before he was born and I saw my classmate every day and then what occurred was um, the day that I wanted him to be born on, I called her at 9.30 p.m. and the kittens were being born. And I was on the phone with her when he came out and he had three black marks on his, on his forehead like he'd been to church on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> and he had a little nubby tail because his mom was a Manx and he was pure white otherwise. And so it was really cool to have this awesome, awesome experience of where you visualize something so specifically and it manifested. And as I got to know Yoda and live with him, he was the type of cat, he did not meow. He, he did on occasion as an adult when he truly, truly wanted something, but he would just look at me and I would get pictures and I would know what he wanted. So this relationship was very spiritual is the best way to describe it. And I and I knew I was moving to California for my own journey to like wake up and see a tree and have it be the first time I see that tree and not be remembered of all the reasons of the past. And I was, you know, going to California with him and his sister Flower, who was a calico kitten that I adopted for him as a companion. And, you know, I, I treated them like they were dogs. So they went for rides in the car and they walked on a leash so that when we went to make this 3,000 mile trip to California, they were prepared and not traumatized by it. So it was quite nice. That's awesome. 
That's a lot, I know. (laughs) Long story. I should also mention, as you're hearing jingling of um, a caller, that uh, we also have another guest here, (laughs) listeners. We have a special furry friend guest joining us today at the Treehouse, and that's my fabulous rescue dog, Finnegan. And I know many of you know him already, so shout out to all the Finn fans out there. Um, But we have a special sponsorship involving Finn that Eric will talk about later at the end of the podcast. Um, I just think that was a beautiful opening, so thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, Finn. You're such (laughs) a good boy. He's giving me some lovings I know, he's over there licking you. (laughs) So, Roz, uh, you shared a little bit about in your opening, which was awesome, about how you got into this. Yes. But could you tell us a little bit more about kind of after your experience with Yoda, how this profession kind of developed for you or your well, intuitive skills? Yes, I'm, I'm very happy to, to do that with you because um, Yoda and I lived together for 10 years and I lived in California for 10 years and it was a shortly before um, my husband and I who I met at Middlesex Community College, Bill Brault. He grew up, he's a native Higginite. Shout out to Bill. Yeah. <laughs> hey, honey. And um, so, and and he, just to let you know, Bill, how, how we came together as a couple is he helped me at the last minute. My pal, who was supposed to go with me for a year, canceled. And Bill and I, I hired him, room and board and airfare home, to assist me to drive to California in my Hertz Penske truck. And so like, even though we were just college buds, we became pen pals and uh, he did not like cats, but Yoda was so cool that he fell in love with Yoda. And you know, he and Yoda would box, you know, they had this really (laughs) wonderful relationship. And so Bill wanted to learn how to communicate with Yoda and so we worked with the medicine animal cards for a reading, and uh, and that's Ted Andrews, I believe, okay. is the author of the, of those cards, and uh, and it showed that there was a smoke screen, there was a screen why Yoda and he couldn't have that deepening of communication, and Bill was a smoker at the time, so he gave up smoking so he could talk with Yoda. Aww. It was really awesome. really cool. That's good for him too. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> So oh, Yoda, yeah. and, um, so as Yoda aged, he he became like a twenty-five pound white cat. the The black marks went away. They were there. I think they were just there on his forehead to just confirm he was the special one. And he truly, truly, when you scratched him on his between his ears, he would scrunch his face, and his ears would curl, and he looked just like. The character of Yoda. It was the. I wish I had a picture of him, um, with that expression because it was, you know, because when I first that name came to me, I thought, oh my God, you know, I'm I'm I like the movie, but I'm not in love with it, and you know, it's just sort of odd. But because he was such a wise-souled kind of animal, um, our life together was always being enriched with our communications, the way he would pause and he would look at me and I'd know what, when he, what he wanted. And, you know, um, on one occasion, we, he, he was allowed to go outside in courtyards, but he never was like an indoor-outdoor cat. He was always a supervised outside cat because California has coyotes, um, more than Connecticut has. Yeah. 
Uh, but like hummingbirds would come to the screen and he would sit there and look at the hummingbird and the hummingbird would look at him. And, you know, that's kind of a unique thing that a hummingbird would stay that long enjoying the view of a conversation with a cat. But that would happen. But as things turned out, um, Bill and I were deciding whether to come back to Connecticut. And we he came back 10 months before I came back. So we had four cats at one time in a studio apartment because we were downsizing and um, then Bill was in Connecticut, and I moved in with a friend in Terra Santa, uh, California. And Yoda moved with me, and my friend had two cats. And Yoda didn't like these other cats, and he was very protective of Daisy, who was still a kitten. And he started to bite these other cats, and, and um, one day the bite deflected, and I, my hand was bitten. And that was sort of a wake-up call for me that I had to address what was going on with him because um, he was giving me signs that he wasn't well. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, knowing I was going to come back to Connecticut, I had to re I had to be responsible and make a hard decision because I was going to be around children in my in my Connecticut home, and I didn't want a child to be bitten by him. And he was just trying to get my attention with his behaviors to say, I'm not well, my back, you know, his spine was deteriorating is what he told me. He had, because of being a Manx cat, their lower part of their spine can get really painful and sore or arthritic. And so after I was bitten by him, I had to make the decision to help him transition. And I, I was one of those really tough, hard, you know, I even spoke with my counselor about it. I didn't just race out and make that decision. But the most miraculous thing about Yoda was, you know, the, I went to the vet knowing I was going to have to make this decision, and they gave us all the time we needed, and he and I just put our heads together. And we were, it must have been, it felt like an hour, but it was a long time, and our heads were together, and we were sending each other pictures. And he told me that his, he was absorbing the things I couldn't handle from my post-traumatic stress. That's why he gained the weight that he gained. And I was saying thank you to him for watching over me and guiding me. And it was just, we just sent pictures back and forth. And I had brought a towel into the room because I wanted him to be comfortable, something familiar from home. And I asked him if he would put his soul into the towel and I would take care of him in a sacred manner and and so um, you know they the when we f he finally said I'm done after he came to a place and he turned away he says okay I'm ready and I I had this you know this this overwhelming feeling of like a connectedness to another human being that I had never ever felt before you know and and it was so hard to like let him go but. I made a promise to him that if he couldn't have the quality of life he deserved, that I would make the hard choice and I would take the pain and not have him suffer for my edification of, of him. And so, um, you know, knowing I was going to leave California when they said, do you want his body? And, you know, I didn't have a place to properly bury him. I didn't know that ashes were an option. And I said no. And I, I saw like his physical body being lifted and taken away. And that was hard. But then when I picked up the towel, I felt he was still there. 
and I carried the towel, you know, my hand is swollen up to like above my elbow from the bite. And I picked up the towel and I sacredly carried it to my car. And then the next day I went to uh, Coronado Island, which is one of the most beautiful beaches that you can find. Um, you know, like when you go to Coronado where the Hotel Dell is, at the right time of day, you can see the gold strips in the sand. It's just breathtakingly gorgeous. And I sacredly took the towel out of the back of the car and I walked with it and it was really heavy. And I walked with it to the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and then I shook all the tissues I had in there and I shook it into the ocean. And then I placed the towel on the sand and practiced mudras. And I was there for a long while, just being in the spirit. And I felt like I had interned his soul into the ocean in the most beautiful way. And then, you know, when the time felt like it was ready to leave, I picked up the towel and it was as light as a feather. Mm. And that's when I realized that something very miraculous had happened, that he really had been in there because the weight of the towel was so dense and then when I went to leave it was just sort of like this blowing in the wind kind of thing so whenever I go to San Diego to visit my friends I always make a point to go to the Hotel Dell to visit the Pacific Ocean to say hello to him oh that's beautiful Yeah, you were get, you were getting me all choked up there. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, my journey as an, an intuitive animal communicator begins with him, yeah. and and I and so it's hard for me to say that I was aware of it at a, at that time because my relationship with animals have has been so organic that it wasn't until I retired from Wesleyan University and my cat Willow, who was Yoda's reincarnation. Um, when she passed, I was there when she took her first breath. I retired from Wesleyan University where I was administrative assistant in 2016. And she passed away in June of 2017. And, um, you know, I was, I didn't have to euthanize her. She, she just, she had a heart murmur. She let me know that her time was coming close. And I made a sacred place for her to just go and rest. And I sat with her until her her last breath. And then, my, as my husband and I normally do, we give our animals, now that we own a home, they get a very special burial with, you know, sage and beautiful boxes and, you know, it, it's... It, it, it's a like a Vikings kind of. <laughs> we really put a lot of love and care into memorializing them and uh, and making sure they're comfortable on the other side. And uh, so I woke up the next morning and it was as if Willow said, "Go be an animal community. You know, go become a dog trainer. Go become a pet care person. That's where you're you're meant to be." So that's when I dedicated my life to this work and. And it's, it's been a, a, a daily journey of discovery. And I don't feel, you know, um, I was listening to um, some people who I admire give some speeches, and it's like that perfect, wonderful, excellent, renowned dog trainer in pet animal tuna, I'm growing into her. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I, I just trust the process. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, for sure.
is sponsored by Ralphie's Retreat, a no-kill shelter located in western Maine dedicated to cats who have been diagnosed with feline leukemia. Ralphie's opened in July of 2013 with the mission of providing FELV cats from all over the United States with healthy, happy, long lives. Some come from homes where their owners could no longer care for them or from shelters that euthanize cats just for testing positive. Ralphie's treats leukemia with both western and alternative medicines. The cats have access to natural light, beautiful indoor spaces, a fenced yard with climbable trees, butterflies, and more. We hope that you will consider donating or sponsoring some of Ralphie's fabulous felines. You can learn about Ralphie's life-saving work and their beautiful feline friends at ralphiesretreat.org. That's Ralphie's, R-A-L-P-H-I-E-S, retreat.org. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. With your help, we can change the outlook for FELV cats around the country through love, compassion, advocacy, and education. I guess I probably haven't told you this either, as my dog shakes. Um, I've been uh, involved in animal rescue for over two decades. So um, I'm 47, but since I was a very little child, um, Animals have been everything in my world. That's beautiful. So, um, yeah, it is. It's beautiful in the sense that um, as, as long as I can remember, the, the, the being that kept me feeling the safest and most loved um, outside of my parents was always furry. Right? <laughs> so it was either a dog or a cat or a hamster or um, wildlife. I, yeah. I love wildlife, everything about um, animals. And, and Eric knows this, um, and, and yeah. our, our longtime podcast listeners know this. Um, so for me, this past two years, I've lost 10 animals. Oh, that's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And um, a lot of people will, that's their response normally. Um, but I've been to so many euthanasias, some that were beautiful like that, some that were not, um, some that were tragic, um, and all of them hold um, a space in my heart. But I have to say within the last, and Eric and I have talked about this as well, in the last five, maybe a little more than that years, I've um, learned that it's not about us, that they live in the moment. Yes. The way we want is so desperately to do it all the time, right? And yeah. we practice this, and, and it's so important to us. But they truly do it with no effort. I, w- I want to share something with yeah. you. Um, I have um, someone who I can call my friend now, and Eric knows Pam. Mm-hmm. And her daughter's dog w- was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And and so Pam was coming to me for counseling, and and... This dog was very special. We did uh, a distance connection on multiple occasions. And what I learned from, I don't want to say the name because I don't know the owners of the dog if they'd be upset, but this particular dog taught me that um, Pam asked me, uh, does 
does the dog know it has cancer? And so my dog, Emmy, was reclined as the transition, you know, distance healing dog. And we had our crystals laid out and, and we were in the moment. And the response was like, I don't know what cancer is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just know my leg hurts. And I'm uncomfortable with that. But I don't know what you're talking about. And that was a, a miraculous discovery for me and that I had never been asked to do this before and that I was successful in connecting with the dog on this particular, on all occasions that I did. But this most specifically educated me that our in, interpretation of illness, because they live in the moment, Kim, mm-hmm. as you said, I mean, they just want us to give them the, the best quality of life and they would prefer, I sensed, not to be stuffed full of medications. Right. That as, if we can approach whatever illness they have as holistically as possible, then we're going to have the most important thing, right. which is time. Right. You know, and when people start putting all of these drugs into their animals, they're actually forcing them into a state of euthanasia. Um, you know, it's hospice care. It, and... So if I could educate anyone, I mean, you know, and you really love your animal, seek out holistic care providers. And, and, you know, vets are wonderful. I'm not going to speak against them, but I just intuitively now know from my own animals and the animals that I've had in the past that it's very important that we treat them with the deepest respect possible. I actually work for, full disclosure, a holistic vet. Oh, wonderful. And uh, (laughs) who's going to be on? the podcast and has been on speaking forums with me. And so my animals get acupuncture and chiropractic care and energy work. Yes. And um, she's one of the people who taught me this so well over the years that I've known her. Oh, and I'm so I'm, grateful. I'm at the her. beginning of my journey of understanding yeah. this. And um, I'd like that person's part oh, because her name know. is Dr. Amy Matthews. And she is Fantastic. Wonderful. And she works for um, All Creatures Holistic Health. It's in East Granby, Connecticut. Um, and I have traditional vets. I have holistic vets. I have homeopathy vets. I think it's and important to yeah, have all kinds of vets, yeah. you know, not just one specific, yeah. because they each have different things they bring to the wellness of your animal. Yeah. But when it comes to end-of-life care, mm-hmm. my heart is most committed to working with a holistic yeah. care provider. And I think that's important. And, and Eric and I talked about that before in the past as well. It's um, exactly what you were just touching on. It's not that people are coming at it from the wrong, in my opinion. I don't think anybody's approaching it in the way of, I'm going to make my animal have surgery or I'm going to do this to me. They're not necessarily coming at it as a place of the ego or selfishness. I don't feel like I ever was when I was doing those things. But when I later reflected on it, right, and I was like, whose interest was this for? Who needed so desperately to hold on or or needed? And it was myself. If I was honest, it mm-hmm. was myself. But here, again, Two decades in animal rescue, loving animals with every ounce of my being and the core of my being, petting deer that were hunted and saying, I'm so sorry someone shot you. You know, this is like who I am to the core of my soul. And I wanted to keep them alive, but I thought it was always because I wanted them. But it was partially me. Yeah. And And, I don't think people recognize that That was what was... um 
you know, I had a contract with Yoda. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Yep. And and I kept that contract with every um, cat and bird that I've had. And now I have two beautiful dogs, Molly yeah. nine and Emmy eight. And every day I look at my current pets and I and I savor yes. that they're there and healthy and well. And I and I also acknowledge that someday we have to come to the place where the bridge exists, a uh, rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. And I and I make I reinvest in that contract that I'm, yes we have I, to yeah we have to and and that moment of like saying goodbye to Yoda and you know you're saying am I making the right decision and you know I didn't just like go there I mean I I spent a lot of time on the phone with a, a psychotherapist yeah. no. <laughs> making that decision and and I and even though it was hard to physically see him leave that room. What came later was so beautiful, and it just makes me aware that there's more to our relationships than our eyes can see. Absolutely. Yeah. so quiet over there. I, I know this is hard for you right no, now. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like I need to share a little bit about shades because it's so relevant to what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, you I, I want to hear. So um, first, to give a little insight into him. Um, now, shades, you, for our listeners, is Eric's dog that passed away. A year yeah. ago, I understand. Yeah, four, no, four months four ago. Months, four months ago. Day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Shades uh, came to us in a very interesting way. Um, I'm going to try to keep the story kind of brief. but um, So my, my dad had a dog that actually went to stay with my stepmom when he went, had to go out of the country, right? And she decided to go wander around because that's what she did. And she got pregnant, and she had nine puppies. And Shades was one of those puppies. And she actually went out again two weeks later, and she got hit by a car and died. So Shades, from two weeks on, he didn't have a mom, right? And I actually met all the puppies at that time. And, and my stepmom said, oh, you want a puppy? And I said, no, we can't have a puppy right now, right? And, but she nursed them, bottle-fed them and everything. And he ended up going upstairs. She lived in a three-story, like, Victorian uh, apartment place that she owned, right? And she ended up going upstairs, this foster kid, to take care of him. And she got, you know, gave the other puppies away, and she kept one for herself and this and that. Well, the foster kid went home and Shades ended up staying with the father and the guy didn't want a dog at all. So Shades spent most of his early life in a cage. Didn't know when he was going to go to the bathroom, when he was going to eat or anything. And she, my stepmom did the best she could to go up there and let him out. She heard him barking. And, you know, that's when he developed actually howling at the sirens because he was mm-hmm. alone upstairs and hearing the sirens. Right. So I went over there one day. I didn't know all this was going on, and and Shades was barking, and uh, she said, "Oh, that's Shades. You want to go meet him? You want to go let him out?" And she lets him out of the cage, and he's this ball of energy, you know, <laughs> so happy. Like if anybody who met my dog, there's not. I, 
I don't, I don't know. I've met, I've been around a lot of dogs, but there's not too many dogs that have had, had that much joy as this dog had, you know. And he just so was in the moment and just so happy about everything, you know. And so she lets him out, and he goes to the bathroom. He comes right back to the door, and she goes, "Eric, this is all he ever knows. He's never been anywhere in his life. He's just been in this cage his whole life." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, like I, I can't believe this, you know. And we were in between houses at the time, my, my, my now wife, you know, and I come back and I said, Kara, I, I just met our dog. And she's like, what are you talking about? We don't, <laughs> we don't even have a place to live right now. You know, and I said, I, I know it's our dog. And, and like a year earlier, she actually went to a psychic and a psychic said, your dog is alive. And when you meet him, you're going to know that he's your dog. He's going to come to you and he's going to make it known. Right. And so, and that was it, you know, and within six months, from that point, actually it wasn't even six months, we had moved into a place that could have dogs and then the situation was getting out of hand. The guy had to leave and my stepmom said, you can't take the dog, you're not taking care of the dog. And basically my stepmom orchestrated the whole thing because she knew, you know, so she brought Shades over and that was it. You know, yeah. he, he didn't leave, you know, <laughs> except for that one time three weeks later when I went to propose to her and I drove with him and we got in a car accident and <gasps> oh, yeah, you have he to was gone for blog. a night and we almost lost him after oh, three weeks of owning him. So there's a whole story about that. We, I did a blog post yep. with Karen Garrity and we <laughs> oh, talked a little bit gosh. about that. So he And ended that's up, in the podcast episode notes it, of it, hers. It too, is yeah. in the podcast People episode. People should go read yeah. that. That's a great blog. So yeah, that's a whole big story, but he was meant to be with us and he found his way back to us even after that on christmas day it was a christmas miracle we got wow him back after that's that. so beautiful yeah so i'm not gonna get into that whole story but um so you know he had pretty traumatic first few years of his life absolutely you know? but and i vowed from that day i said well i'm gonna give this dog the best life that i can give him you know and we ended up i mean he's part of the reason why we're in this house right now you know like that dog he just kept feeling good and and then he just manifested what he wanted he wanted owners that would love him and he wanted a house and he helped us get this house you wow. know like and we we had so many adventures in these woods right behind us here when you're talking Talking about deer we actually got to the point there's a family of deer that live in here and we got to a point where we would just come and they would stop and we would just like meditate together and i trained him to stop and not chase after him after Isn't a while that cool? like and, and, and he'd be videos. shaking his leg like crazy right but like and now the deer even just the other day i saw them and we we still have a moment like the day after he passed away the whole family of deer came and they and they slept out in the yard right there to pay homage to him. Yeah. You know, like it was incredible. So, you know, and anyways, but so what happened was he ended up, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this stuff. But, you know, Carrie and I, my wife and I both had some health issues and I actually... And she's got an autoimmune disease, and I actually ended up having get back surgery a couple of years ago. And he was such a, I mean, he was so there for us through all that, you know. And um, three months after I had back surgery, um, we found a lump on his throat. We went to oh, the vet. Oh, wow. Okay. And the vet was like, this, this does not look benign. Like, you should probably get, like, a bunch of testing and get it checked out and this and that, right? But I, I sat with it, you know, and we had multiple vets like you talked about. Like, we ended up going to Amy yeah. Matthews, and yeah. we, you know, we had three other vets, and we had all this other holistic things that we did. And I'm a holistic practitioner, so, you know, I started him on a regimen of, 
you know, wild mushroom tincture and Chinese herbal formulas and CBD stuff. And, you know, he ate raw and so clean. He had all sorts of fruits and vegetables. I mean, this dog lived like a king and we were, you know, he had anything he ever wanted, <laughs> you know, and I gave him Reiki and I did Tong Ren. You see the doll there. I would tap on the doll for him and I started this whole regiment with him, you know, because I was like, I don't want to put him through that. You know, it's on his throat. And if they start poking around in there, it could, if there's if it's malignant cancer, it could spread in his lymph nodes and he could gone. be gone like that. Yeah. So we didn't end up doing an invasive testing with him. And I knew that out of all the trauma that he went through before we got him, that he wouldn't want me to do that. He told me, he said, I, I don't want to do that yeah. stuff. And, and it, it was tough, you know, but like... He, we ended up having a great year with him where we weren't like, oh, well, he's got thyroid cancer and we can't do this. And oh, and oh, well, you know, we're going to cut him open and he's on all these medications and this and that. No, he went out on his terms because he was happy all the time, yes. you know, no matter what. And he just wanted to be with his mom and be with his dad and anybody that came in his house or anywhere. He just yeah. loved everybody. You know? He wasn't sick. No, he you wasn't know? sick. And, and it, then and it probably was like the day. Or a day before, he's, you could just tell. Well, this is, well, this is what happened. He went out on his own terms, okay? Yeah. Because I was outside with him bringing wood in because it was in March and we have a wood stove, right? And my wife had gone out to the store and, you know, he loved his mom. Like, they were inseparable. And so he was outside helping me with the wood and she came home and every time she would come home, he would like get so excited and run up to the car. Like, he would, she would have to like stop the car because he wouldn't like let her move, you know? And he saw her, and he just, he would do this, too, because he was very agile and athletic. Like, this dog could, like, do crazy things in the woods. You know, he was he was a lab Rottweiler pit bull mix, so... With know. a tail that could, like, knock you over. Yeah, with yeah. a tail like a whip, <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, and he would th- thread the needle. He would throw himself into areas that might not even be, like, enough room to go, right? But he was so excited that he decided to throw himself in between our garbage can and the side of our house, right, and to go see his mom. And, I mean, everything was fine, but... Then, like, a couple hours later, we realized that he was not fine because his stomach started getting distended. Um, and then he, like, laid down and, like, and he looked up at me and I was like, uh-oh, you know. And he was already having some issues before that, you know, with his throat and swallowing and different things. But I think he was like, this is going to get worse and I don't want to go through that, you know. And so we had to, right there, we had to, I said, we got to go to the vet right now. That was, you know, that was one of the toughest things we ever went through, yeah. you know, and like, cause it just happened so fast, you know, and we well, had to. And people you know. will often say things like, you know, I wish they could talk to me. I wish they could tell me. And oh. I'm always just like, if you got quiet and listened, he, yeah. you don't have to have these, you know, be told you're an animal communicator or be told that you're a master of this. Just get quiet. And yeah. listen, they're they don't talking speak to you words. all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it, and sometimes they might, yeah. you know, but like it's they, they the, talk. Their in eyes ways. alone. Yeah, yeah. Their eyes alone yeah. are the most beautiful souls yes. that can tell you yeah. so much. I mean, we would we would be in the woods and like we wouldn't. I wouldn't have to say anything. I would just look at them and we just we would know where to go and sink and like you know. Yeah. And so we were just so connected, the three of us. And he told me right then, like, because they were like, well. They put an ultrasound on him, and they said, he's got tumors all over every organ. 
and you know we could try to save him what had happened is a tumor had burst open and he had internal bleeding so, so we can try to save him but the prognosis isn't good and he could have probably died on the operating table with a right. traumatic procedure right you know right. And I and I and I I looked in his eyes. I actually hunched down. I got down because he was immobile at that point. I had never seen him like that, you know. And I looked at him, and he said, "Don't put me through that." No. Don't put me through that. Yeah. He said, "He said I'm ready to go. You let me go, you know." And it was, you know, it was the toughest thing I think I've ever had to do in my life. Well, like my, you know. <laughs> I want to interject here, and I thank you so much for sharing your story because I can so relate to what you've yeah. said. It. With, especially with my journey with Yoda and and my other pets. But a lot of people, what I've learned from my pets is their love is so pure. Yeah. And in order, and, you know, if there's anything that you can learn in life, the most important thing is to love purely. And that's what yeah. animals teach us. Yeah. And when we love purely of a person, an animal... When they die, the pain is torturous for us as human beings. And that's because we really did love. Yeah. You know, as it, you think of like, you, you know, uh, when you're a teenager and your boyfriend breaks up with you and then you move on to your next boyfriend, that wasn't really love, that was infatuation. But animals get into our souls and into our hearts and they're the miracle that teaches us how to love. And um, from my own journey, it was that understanding that they love purely that just is the most beautiful gift I've ever received from in life. And they teach you so many things. Oh, the yeah. lessons. Um, I just, I, I can just never think of, it's just endless, endless lessons from animal after animal that I've experienced. Some just through transporting them from A to B. Some that... I saved out of pipes underneath schools or, oh my gosh, or yeah. feral cats. So I, I did trap, noon, return. I've been as far out as best friends in Utah. I did, um, you know, spay and neuter clinics. I taught humane education. I brought gang kids in to be with, you know, cats at a place called the Pat Brody Shelter wow. in Massachusetts and Salem Animal Rescue League in New Hampshire, the MSPCA in Boston. And this is way before pit bulls and parolees and all this stuff you see on television. This is like the real deal of just beauty at its rawest form mm -hmm. with kids that wear so much armor, right? right? With animals that have been treated like garbage or like, like shades, never been able to put their feet on the, the ground to touch grass except for like what half hour if most at a yeah. time that um the animal still trusted and this animal still loved right. and the animal still gave this pure beauty that i think i believe humans need to look at like real closely oh yeah and start to take notice you'll never find a narcissistic dog never ever. never ever they are the most empathic yeah. pure, loving, adoring creatures. And all they want is, a, is your affection yep. and your attention. Healing is in Your Hands is sponsored by Brand Fearless, social media for social good. Everything we do, we do with the idea of bringing good to the world. And Chief for Healing, using holistic healing practices to connect the mind, body, and spirit. 
Healing is in Your Hands is looking for sponsors who share our mission to educate and empower through holistic healing. If your business is interested in becoming a sponsor, email us at healingisinyourhands at gmail.com. Or you can click the link at the bottom of the description in your app to make a monthly donation of as little as 99 cents a month. As a dog trainer, as an intuitive dog trainer, when I am invited into someone's home, um, as I shared with you earlier yeah. about Finn, uh, I send, you know, energetically, it helps me to get a picture of the animal so I can see who I'm meeting. Mm. But I, uh, with Finn today, the first thing I realized was he just loves so much and he's the happiest dog that I've yes. met in a long time. And I asked for a picture because I go like, okay, I want to have a confirmation if what he's telling me is true. And when I saw there were four pictures sent to me and his smile is just dynamite for for a dog. And that first picture was like, all right, I'm connected. (laughs) And so then the other thing I usually do is I send a request to the animal to let me know when I come into their space. That I'm that they're okay with me being there. I let them know why I'm coming energetically. I let them know what we're going to be working on. I send them pictures, and I say, okay, now you let me know if this is okay when I come to your house. If you don't want to work on this, just show me, you know, back up. Don't. But if you want to work on what I'm here to work on with you, come to me, touch me, smell me, you know, let your people know that I'm a good person, and that will help the owner be relaxed with me and so you know and that's what happened today when I arrived that Finn was telling me that he was happy to meet me and right now he's sleeping he's you know I asked him to take a nap and right I, by your feet and yeah. my feet <laughs> I had um when he was cuddling up to me earlier I was giving him Reiki and that's when he got up and he he touched me he said don't yeah. stop because I took my hand away and um but the the I don't know how he got his name, but I know he loves his name. His name, I will tell you this, because I was also on that same blog post uh, for a couple of years. Um, Finnegan is Irish for fair, the word fair. And at that time in my life when I adopted Finnegan was in June of 2012, at the 30th. He just had his gotcha day. Um, And I was leaving 15 years of teaching very reluctantly um, because of my own health issues, because of a combination of many, many things. And so life felt very unfair. When I met him, everything changed. And I say that as someone who at that time lived with two other rescue dogs, Shaggy and Petey, who have since both passed as well, and uh, 20 rescue cats in a feral colony. So I took care of many, many animals for over a decade while sick. And when um, Finn and I left that situation after 11 years, we moved together and Petey, my other dog, and um, a bunch of the other rescue cats. And he was my greatest support. He said, I have fulfilled He's Everything. not saying he's leaving. No. But he says, I I fulfill and exceed what was asked of me in my name. And I yeah. love this name. Oh, so he does. It's, so it's like, I can't really, you know, like, I'm not your traditional 
animal communicator where I'm going to tell you where they were when they were born. Uh, you know, it's like it's more of a soul's journey mm-hmm. of getting to know the animal and not pushing them to tell me more than they want. Right. And I'm more of a prescriptive animal communicator that when I come into your home, it's to help you communicate with your animal in a way that the quality of your life improves. For them and you. Yes, totally. And I've had 100% success with every animal. When you listen, they do have a voice. You will hear words. It's the most common way animals communicate is with pictures. But as the relationship deepens, that you will hear full paragraphs being spoken to you. And you have to pause and go like, did I really just hear that? (laughs) I think you're a lunatic. (laughs) When it starts to happen, you don't really think, am I losing my sanity? Uh, uh, But then you just trust it. Yeah, you totally You don't go to the DSM-4 and start looking things up like I would. Like, is this me now? Yeah. (laughs) Or five now. But when it repeats... Mm. That's when you have to, like, the the first time you go, like, did I really hear this? And then it was, when it's very significant message, it will repeat and repeat until you get it. Yeah. And then it'll change your life forever. And sometimes humans need it on um, repeat over and over and <laughs> over again. For yeah. sure. I don't think it's sometimes. Yeah. I think it's most yeah. of the time. <laughs> well, one, one hope true. that I, I, I offer to the world and for all people who love their pets, is to include them in their healing process. Yes. If anyone is dealing with a serious immune illness, or cancer, anything, emotional distress, you know, include your animal with y- what you do. Uh, re- just uh, two weeks ago, I was invited to a beautiful home in, in Deep River, Connecticut, where two cats had just moved into... Um, a new house where their owner was now in a new relationship and she wanted to have some guidance on what was the best thing for her cats because they were not settling in as comfortably as mm. possible and to my and same as as uh, with Finn I, I reached out to them psychically I says what do you want me to bring you that will make you happy to meet me they said bring us catnip and toys and so I, I you know the owner said she didn't want them to have catnip, but you, I could tell that a little catnip would help them assimilate into the space and getting their scent into the house. But the minute I put the toy on the floor, you know, the, the long they were their sisters, she started playing with it right away. So that was a confirmation. Yes, I did get the right message. Because yeah. even me, I question it. I you yeah. know because it's like. Am I really getting this message? And then when I get to the environment and it's confirmed by the animal's behavior, in this particular scenario, which was um, a new development for me, it ended up being a combination of cat intuitive work and a feng shui consultation because the house had, you'll notice that your animal will tend to lie in a particular spot. And, and animals are drawn to where there's negative chi in a house to cleanse it. And in this particular house, there was this very truncated hallway, and this one cat was staying constantly in that hallway. And so we talked about things, you know, like working with mirrors and chimes. And and then there was one room which could be dedicated to the cat playroom, and then we we envisioned how we could enhance their lives by giving them the space 
to have a bigger litter box and places to climb and a view of the yard. And also being, you know, like one of the, the benefits of going to the environment where the animal lives, then I can, in, I can intuit my own senses. And so like in this environment, there's a train that goes by on, on the hour. And I could, you know, I could see how that was affecting the cats. And, you know, when the, when the lawnmower started across the street, and then I would say, you know, like, how does that make you feel? What do you want? One cat just said, I'm only staying in the bedroom, but the bedroom is in the relationship corner of the Bagua. So it was staying where, and, and what was interesting about the two cats is one cat was connected to the Dantian area yeah. of its owner. The other was connected to the heart. So the cat that was connected to the thread of the heart preferred to stay in the bedroom where the other cat that was connected through the Dantian area, the solar plex, would travel everywhere else in the house. And she was the one that was being more possessive of the space and also was focusing on that negative chi area. So hopefully um, the, the consultation was really enlightening to me. Uh, I tend to keep my prices very affordable because I want people to be able to have me come often. And I, so I don't, I'm, I'm in the lower tier of pricing ranges. And she says, oh, your prices are too low. Oh my God. <laughs> but she was quite generous and gave me, you know, more than I had asked for, which I appreciated. But it's like, how do you price this? You know? Right. Because I'm doing something I would love and I would love do it, it for free. Yeah. Yeah. One of our listeners, Rachel, sent in this question. She has, um, her and her husband, a recent, very recent newborn baby, okay, and they have two cats. So I'm going to read you the question, and, and you let us know your thoughts on it, and, and then um, we'll go from there. So she said, I'm hoping to get your thoughts on cat training techniques. Our two cats love to use the baby's crib the changing table, etc. They are used to having free reign of the house, and although they are adjusting well to the new boundaries, they still think everything is theirs. <laughs> Hello, kitties. <laughs> it breaks my heart to lock them out of the room, and I do not want to and will not squirt them with water, as others have suggested. I read that citrus oil can be a good deterrent, if you have any specific recommendations or online resources that you trust, I'd be most grateful. Thank you, Rachel. I'm going to take a moment here just to reflect upon this. Mm -hmm. And it, the reason why the cats are drawn to the baby's space, the baby's bed, the baby's changing table, energetically, there's just so much love there. You know, oh, if you knew this house, they are pure love. Yeah. These people are and beautiful souls. And so it, it would be, you know, I 
it would be a crime to exclude them from being able to go there. Um, but also what I intuitively feel is that by taking the babies, you know, getting baby, you can go to Goodwill, get baby blankets and have the baby smell. By bringing the baby smell into other areas of the house, that they would then realize that they can enjoy that beautiful smell in their bed ah. or on their parents' you know, bed, so that, you know, because it's, it's all intensely in this one place and not knowing where the room is. So situated. share the baby smell. Yeah, share oh. it around the house with the, with the intention for it to be for the cats. Um, if, they, if the cats like catnip, you put the baby smell with a little catnip, now the, the cat is going to respond to the catnip with that feeling of nirvana. And so that, you know, like the, they're going to be able to put the two things together. Association. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That gets them there a little bit faster. Cats are not driven by food. They're driven by smells yeah. and the energy of things. And so the energy of the baby. And that self-fulfilling <laughs> yeah. feeling that cats have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's really nothing you can do that will prevent them from wanting to be in there except closing the door. And you know, um, and it sounds like she doesn't feel good about doing that. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, the other thing is to try a baby gate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe putting um, some sticky tape. I mean, this is dog trainer, cat trainer type things. Yeah. Making it. My cross- coon cat would laugh at you right now. Be like, <laughs> <laughs> human gate. <sitting laughs> you. Yeah. yeah. Chop right over that. And yeah. then his tail would be like, take that. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that the cats will do is that, you know, if you don't make it hospitable for them by moving this smell that they want to be a part of into other places in the house, they have more choices, then they could start marking their territory. And you don't want that behavior. That will be like, you wouldn't want to think that they're angry, but it's their way of saying, uh, I'm not happy about something. And I, they're, and so it's like you have one stop fighting it and try to get, share it more. Right. That's all I could think of Brilliant. in this situation. Good, that's okay. wonderful. Great to you, my friend. Awesome. So the other thing that we wanted to ask you was if you could share with us some simple intuitive building exercises that people can develop for pet communication, and if we could demonstrate some of those exercises, like one or two of them, with Finn. Right sure, now. I'd be happy to do that. Is that are we able to do that without people seeing him? Well, the the first thing is just to become aware of your breath, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very, um, you know, if you know yoga, if you know specifically Kundalini yoga, you want to do long, strong, deep breaths, and as you get a sense of being connected inside yourself, you can just then take that breath and move it into your heart chakra because that's where the animals will connect with you the best. And then you just breathe there. And the animal, um, the the most important thing is, from a dog trainer's perspective and as an intuitive communicator, is never touch an animal unless they touch you first. So you have to be extremely respectful of their boundaries. You can telepathically be communicating with them by sending them pictures. You can... Um, increase the value of your being present with them by holding a very delicious snack in your hand that could entice them to come closer to you. But if you see an animal backs away from you, they don't want you to come towards them. Respect their space. Um, But just by being still yourself uh, and just 
being a calm person, don't pay attention to them and allow them to pay attention to you. And then you can just breathe, you know, and then they'll come and they'll touch you and they'll, their little nose will touch your hand and then that, you know, or they'll, they'll smell your feet. And then that's when they're really receptive to talking with you. And then you just like, it, they, it may not be words at first, but it could be a picture. It could be a picture of, you know, like you'll all of a sudden feel like, hmm, he likes, you know, he likes a, a, a beef, beef smelling treats. And you'll look up in there, you know, that, that's where his favorite treat is. So try to do something that's in the realm. Always ask the owner um, questions about the animal. You know, so it's like, it's not your responsibility to know every single detail about the animal. It's very important to know what their first 16 weeks of their life were like, because that's when their base personality was being developed. If they had any traumas, if they were, if they were a lost dog on the street, and then, you know, then, then you can intuit from what you understand the beginning of their life to be. And, and one of the things that's very interesting to me that I'll share with you, um, when I am doing a reading on an animal, I internalize the questions of the person, I internalize what the vibrations coming up from the animal to me, and then my animals that are in heaven come to me and they say, well, Remember when I was such and such, you know, like uh, when I didn't like when I wanted to scratch on the couch and you know how I you didn't like me sketching on the couch and then you used catnip on the cat tree and then I liked it. So I start getting stories from my my experiences and my animals. And once that connection has been made internally with me, with my spirit animals, then they're sort of like the animal that I'm with in the present moment physically and emotionally and psychically starts to communicate with me. There's sort of like, there's a, a, a sort of like a, a shield that's in the way that lifts up once my spirit animals come into my aura. Wow, that's so, beautiful. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about what you just said is how like, so we at My Holistic Vet have been working with Finn for a very long time. This is unlike Finn not to be in my lap right now. And, like, he's, right, always in my lap. And I have never seen Finn this chill, chill. this no, long. like this yeah. long. So. And so <laughs> I'm supposed to only invite Finn onto my lap because he's so, we have a little bit of separation anxiety from one another, Finnegan and I. And um, so he will be, like, immediately on me and on me. This is, like, really, this has something to do with your energy, though, too, Eric, because when he's around you, too, um, he's much more grounded. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is something that I've noticed over the time that Eric and I have been doing this podcast. So it'll be a year this, you know, September. Uh, September. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first time Finn and I met. Yeah. Eric's he, alpha. <laughs> well. And Finn truly is not it, an alpha dog. Yeah. Well, it's true. I, I, yeah. I mean, I love dogs and, and all dogs mostly love me, but also I think partly become my voice and maybe my energy, but most dogs listen to me. Yeah. Too, yeah, know? definitely. And right off the bat. I don't I, like that. They yeah. don't have to be, you know, yeah. I, right away. And, and he jumped up on me and I don't like that when dogs jumped up on me, especially if my back is Because he's sore practicing all four feet on the ground. You know, and. He jumped up on me, and I just went, you know, I just went like that with his paw. 
Like I said, I said, no, like that's just a reaction. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I don't want you to do that, you know? And Finn immediately was like, whoa. Yeah, he was like, oh. Oh, boy. When when (laughs) I came into the space with Finn, we were communicating energetically, as you saw. And, you know, he decided to come up on the, the, the bed or sofa that's next to me. And, you know, he invited me to touch him. And then we kind of, like, we were setting up rules about how we were going to be in the space. And I encouraged him to relax. And I said, why don't you take a nap and just be chill? You know, you don't have to be on, on duty right now. And it was his free will. I didn't, I didn't force him. I didn't, I didn't say to him to do that. I just allowed him to go to a comfortable place energetically. And it was really, you know, like, he really touched my heart a lot because when I was giving him Reiki silently, and then when I took my hand away, he he reached out and said, "I want more." So when he did that, because he gets I, Reiki every day, <laughs> I, I knew that we were connecting. It. Yeah, he yeah. loves Reiki. He loves Tong Ren. But he the, loves gongs. But the one thing um, <laughs> that he, you know, when, before I got to know him in the this uh, radio room, um, you know, like, and I, and I was invited to like he showed his belly to me when he was in your arms and my hand touched his belly and it's like okay he gets a lot of upset stomachs and and i had brought snacks for him but i oh i asked could he have it and i and you said no he has allergies but then he he truly said no he's on a very special diet and he knows he's got to stick to that diet so which he doesn't yeah he steals cat food (laughs) and that's why he gets upset stomachs Uh oh, because he's not driven by food at all like you said yeah he's a tennis ball he's a jack russell Bijan rescue dog he's very very high energy um like go 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 this is very very calm this is how he is when he's in my meditation room at the house this is the that is the only place in the house that he's normally not you know, I think off a the combination of all three of us. Yeah. You know, we have our Zen on. Yeah. And, and a lot of healing happens in this yeah, room. Yeah. Too, and so. we have this beautiful <laughs> crystal. Yeah, this is right his here. first time in this particular room. He's yeah. only been upstairs now. Yeah. Hi, sweet cheeks. Does so. he want to sing for you? Oh, that is going to come later. Yeah. Later so, gonna... do we want to do anything with him? Or does he seem pretty chill? We in... Well, I think, you know, like. He's not in the mood to. Um, I guess we could That's address. I, well, we that could, was my feeling. I had a feeling he wasn't really in the mood. No, to I mean we could say to him. <laughs> well, you know what I should. What about the cat food? I was gonna say. I was gonna say one thing to you. Um, he's been at every. So I mentioned that um, ten animals have passed away in the last two years. Um, also, a very close friend of mine, who he loved, uh, Daisha. Um, but he, five of those animals. Um, he, he, he's been at their euthanasias. So it's been a lot for him. And he, he's been going for energy work around that and doing, and doing those things. And the others we didn't get to say goodbye to because they were elsewhere, right, with, right. with my, my ex. So I think he's heavy. But at the same time, like you said before, Finn is an in-the-moment guy, happiness guy. I feel like he takes it, and then he brilliantly lets it go. Let's go. And yeah. he is my purest example of, this is what you got to do, mom. Yeah. Right? Every day. Yeah. And that's that's how Shades was. I mean, yeah. that's why, you know, I wanted to, one thing I want to mention is that I've been doing this on Instagram every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing 
81 days of Tao. So every day I've been reading a passage from the Tao Te Ching and then sharing, you know, a little bit of my interpretation of it. And I've been doing it in honor of my dog. So I started it on May 1st, his birthday month. And, um, because he was such a Taoist dog and, you know, being in the moment and going with the flow and being unable to let go. that Healing is in Your Hands is sponsoring Finnegan in the Best Dog in the World contest in Washington Depot, Connecticut. He's in the It's All About Work category since he's a working dog for Kim's business, Brand Fearless, and a member of the podcast team. We will provide a link to vote for him in the notes. It's only $1 a vote and it's all for a good cause as the proceeds go to the Greenwoods Counseling Referrals. So get out there and vote for Finnegan for best dog in the world. Again, want to thank you, Roz, for joining us and for all of that you do to help both people and animals and helping all of us understand each other a little bit better. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thanks, Roz. Can you actually share with us uh, where the best place people can find you on social media and, and your website and stuff? My website is intuitivepetcarellc.com. I do have a P- Intuitive Pet Care LLC on Facebook, and I can be reached um, um, through the Red Barn in Durham, where I'm a part-time practitioner, and I have a weekly class called Pet Whispers. And uh, once you find my website, you'll find my phone number and you can call me and I'm happy to help. Um, And I love taking care of all kinds of animals. If you're on vacation and you got pets, I'm your gal. Perfect. We'll put all those those links in the in the notes. And um, listeners, do you have an animal companion story you'd like to share? Let us know. You can use the Anchor app to leave us an audio message or use your phone's voice memo app to record a message and email it to us at healingisinyourhands at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you may hear yourself and your animal companion on a future episode of Healing is in Your Hands. Now it's time for a special meditative moment with myself, Kim, and Finnegan howling to the Rainbow Bridge in honor of all our animal friends who have passed. Thanks for joining us. As always, follow us on all our social platforms, Facebook and Instagram, Healing is in Your Hands, Twitter, Healing is in You One, and of course, on Snapchat at Feral20 and Earthwalker11. Production of Healing is in Your Hands is by Andrea Moraskin and Craig Norton. Musical interludes are by Craig Norton and Howling by Finnegan Fleck and Shades Harris. Remember to subscribe and tell your friends. And if you have a minute, rate and review Healing is in Your Hands on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Until next time, my friends, I'm Kim Fleck. And I'm Eric Harris. And remember that healing is in your hands. Bye.